Welcome back to the Pushing Through Loss podcast, where we share stories, honor resilience, and embrace strength. I am Kalila Green Siciliano, and it is my honor to begin the journey with you. Today I have with me Clarissa, who we met actually a few weeks ago on a Zoom call, and we both just said before we started recording that we instantly knew that we had to talk to the other person, so I'm so glad to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. And I'm really, really thrilled to be here. My pleasure. So because we didn't really get a chance to talk a lot on the call that we were on, start with your background and tell me a little bit about what you do. Sure. Yeah. So I'll start, I'll take it a little further back um, before I started trying to conceive before I get into the actual journey, but I kind of went through the typical I guess, career path, right? You graduate from college, you get your degrees, you start working in a corporate environment, um, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. I was trying to achieve that success, that financial stability. Um, I had gotten married too. So I wanted to have everything in place before I fully felt ready to try to conceive. So um, it took a little bit, but once all of that was finally in place, I thought, okay, now it's time. I finally feel ready to become a mom. I'd always knew that I wanted to be a mom, but Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make sure everything was in place beforehand. So um, once we officially started trying, I had absolutely no expectation that we would have challenges. I didn't even realize really that people had challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, I just figured as soon as we start trying, we'd be able to get pregnant and that would be that, right? And just move on. It's so funny because I feel like that's all you ever hear. Like there was the MTV show 16 and pregnant. It's like, oh, everybody can get pregnant. And I was so scared of getting pregnant. I was on birth control the entire time and was really nervous about that because I just felt like, A, I'm not ready. And B, that would ruin my plans right now. Right. Right? I'm, I'm not at that space in my life or that place in my life. So right. um, it's, it's a shock when it then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm ready. And and yes. your body's like, no, are you sure? Exactly. Well, and I didn't even really, it didn't register with me. I would say month after I thought, okay, whatever, maybe we just got the timing wrong. Let's try again. Let's try Mm. again. Month after month, didn't get pregnant. Month after month, didn't get pregnant. So within about six months in, I thought, okay, maybe something is actually wrong. What's going on? Because we should have been able to get pregnant by now. And I distinctly remember too, when we got engaged, going to the OBGYN and telling her that I wanted to get pregnant once we got married and just to check and make sure everything's good and see if I need to do anything. And she even told me, and I asked her, should I get off birth control? Should I try to get off it before we start trying? And she said, oh no, absolutely not. Because the second that you stop taking your Ugh. birth control, you'll absolutely get pregnant. So, so don't six do months go by and you're me. like, what is going on? Wasted time. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, looking back, I should have listened to that little inner voice of mine saying mm. that, hey, maybe it's probably time to get off of this, but um, you know, it is what it is. And right. I learned a lot along the way. So I would say the first year of our journey, I, I was just kind of doing whatever I could. I was doing a lot of research on my own, trying to figure out what the missing piece was, um, trying to just understand why I wasn't getting pregnant, um, doing my own research. But I would say about year two is when it really, really hit me and it Mm -hmm. took a toll on me emotionally, mentally. And I... I was just so broken. I don't know how else to describe it, but I mm. was on the brink of tears all day. Um, so many things would trigger me if I saw an announcement on Facebook, if I mm-hmm. saw a woman with a baby at the store, like just so many things would 
just set me off. And I was just that ticking time bomb throughout the day. And Mm -hmm. I, I didn't feel like myself. I no longer had this sense of joy, this sense of optimism. I felt very bitter. I felt really resentful. I felt really angry and really upset that this was something that I wanted so badly. And I had no answers. I just didn't understand why I couldn't get pregnant. Um, And I should throw in the caveat too, that throughout our journey, we tried month after month and never had positive pregnancy tests. So never got pregnant. Um, right. So it's not even like in your head, you're thinking, well, at least I could get pregnant because yeah. I know a lot of times that's what mm-hmm. people are going through. Yes. Yeah. And I understand that. And people will have those losses. And I think for me, it kind of felt like month after month, every time that I got my period to me, that felt like a miscarriage. It right. felt like a missed opportunity of a chance to get pregnant and to have mm-hmm. my baby. And um, my period hit me really hard. It was a really difficult time month after month. And I think finally, after that second year, I, I just didn't like who I was becoming. I Mm. didn't recognize myself anymore. At that point, I was just, again, really negative and just really upset. And I wanted to feel different. I wanted to feel like myself again, but I also wanted to approach it from a way that just felt more empowering and more hopeful and more peaceful. And I started to, again, do my own research, but really dig into more of the energetic side of fertility, I guess you can say. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of cycle tracking and things before that. I, did, I tried so many different fertility diets, tried every tracker under the sun. Um, I did anything and everything that anybody said would help you get pregnant, right? right you're like, like any like sort of boxes. wisdom, any yeah, sort bring of it on. witchcraft these, like, or whatever. Just... Yeah. I'm like, sign me up for it. I'm yeah. desperate right now. And, um, but it wasn't really until I started to address how I was feeling mentally and emotionally, um, that I feel like I gained some clarity and I gained some clarity around the lifestyle that I was living at the time. So I mentioned I work full time. I was working 12 hour days. I was skipping lunch. I was just, you know, hustling, hustling, going, going all day long. And I didn't realize the impact that a, that was having on my body and my hormones for one, but B, how out of alignment it was with the type of mom that I wanted to be. Mm. I always knew that ideally I would love to be a stay-at-home mom, but I knew I wanted to be present. I knew I wanted to be available. I knew I wanted my baby, my future baby to be my priority. And the path that I was on and the lifestyle I was living was not at all in alignment with how I wanted to be. So mm. I did a lot of work around that. And that's ultimately when I kind of come full circle where I discovered my passion to assist and help other women on their own fertility journeys, because I learned so much about my body and things that I wish I would have known prior to conceiving and ahead of time. So I knew that I am now on a mission to just spread this knowledge and spread this information to other women who are um, trying to get pregnant as well. So yeah, that's ultimately where I'm at now. So mm-hmm. now I'm a certified fertility health coach. I'm a functional hormone specialist and I help women prepare their mind, body, and soul to get pregnant. Um, because I do truly believe that fertility and the process of getting pregnant and conception is more than just a physical uh, process. There's so much more to it. Yeah, And we don't always realize that, right? So um that's what I'm, I'm here to do. I I love this work. I feel really passionate about helping other women. And um, yeah, I think ultimately I should have probably led with this too, but after three years, after going through my own transformational journey, I was able to conceive for the first time. 
Um, and I gave birth to my daughter this January. So she's now 10 months old. And yeah, it's just, it was a wild ride. It was a crazy journey, but I, looking back, know that it was truly such a gift because I was given the gift of time to really pause and reassess my life, reevaluate again, the type of mom I want to be, the type of life I want to live and heal my body, heal my mind in the process. And I feel like it set me up for success. So Mm -hmm. it's so hard while you're going through it because of the fact that you feel like every single month is an eternity. And then when you're looking at it, you're like, oh my gosh, six months, a year, two Uh years, how much longer can I possibly keep going with this? And the fact that you can now look back on it and say, you've grown so much, not just since then, but because of then is such a blessing. So true. Yeah. It's absolutely because of this journey. And I did set that intention that final year. I actually just decided to take a break from trying. And me and my husband, we came together in partnership and decided, how do we want this to look? What do we want our fertility journey to be like? You know, it was wrought with a lot of grief and just sorrow and sadness. And we thought there's a better way to do this. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's unite. Let's bring the joy back into this. Let's bring the curiosity back into this. And that last year we weren't actively trying. We were focusing really on healing, healing our relationship, healing my body, healing again, my mindset. And I think that intention and that separation from the outcome almost, because when you're so focused on month after month, I just want to get pregnant. That's all I want. I just want that baby at the end of it. You kind of lose sight of everything else Mm -hmm. around you. And when I took that step back and looked at everything from that broader view, I realized there were things that I wanted to change, things that I wanted to do to do differently. And I realized that I just had this certainty because I knew I'm not going to give up. Like I want to be a mom so badly. And I knew that it was part of my destiny. I knew that it was part of my identity and who Mm. I am as a person. And that conviction helped me to push forward and allowed me to pause because Mm -hmm. I knew even though I'm not going to try this cycle, it's a matter of time. It's going to happen for me. So what do I need to put in place now between now and then to get ready and to be the best mom that I can be? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that was a big awakening for me and just taking that intentional time to pause. And it's hard. It was really hard because I had already spent, you know, two years at that point. And I should mention too, that we did start trying later on in life. And I say that in quotations because you know (laughs) the stigmas around that, but Right. You're 35 and you're a geriatric patient. I don't know how old you are, but like, if you're past that, forget it. Oh, it's terrible. That, that whole stigma is just awful, but we got married when I was 30. And so we started trying, I eventually, I did get pregnant at 33, but even at 33, it was considered an elderly pregnancy, which I've never heard that term, but I was like, okay. So I thought I got Meanwhile, did you just hear that there's a woman who's 70 who gave birth through IVF? Oh my gosh. I did not. Whoa. She gave birth to her own children at 70 years old. I just saw this the other day and I was like, okay, anybody who's 35 or 45, you you are not a geriatric (laughs) patient anymore. Yes. Can we just change that already? Like remove that label? Cause yes. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. But I mean, there is time. I think it feels so like that biological clock. I don't know that conditioning is so difficult to get through and get past, but 
um, it's absolutely possible. And like you said, there are women, there are so many examples of women over 40, over 50, getting pregnant, having babies. And right. if you want it, you know, it's absolutely possible. So yeah, don't let age hold you back. <laughs> For sure. And I think what you're saying in terms of having your whole body connected is so important. I have a friend who does a lot of emotion code and body code work mm. and all of that I mean, I credit so much of that to me being able to work through the miscarriage that I went through and being able sure. to not, it's obviously still with me, it will always be with me, yeah. but not let it affect my everyday life. And yeah. I think in the, when you're in the throes of it, when you're in the heart of it, and like you said, you wanted a baby so badly, you had always associated yourself with being a mom and that's yeah. what you knew you were going to be. It is yeah. so difficult to remove yourself and say, okay, I need to take a step back. I need to reconnect not only with myself, but with my husband. And I need to work on the moment and not continue to look nine months out or a year out and say, what's happening now? Exactly. Yeah. No, you're spot on. And I think if we can take that time, again, there's a gift in that time. There's that gift of clarity. And in the moment, it's really, really hard to see that, but that's where I think that trust, that faith, that belief in yourself is just is really important. And, um, I did connect to my faith too, at that point in my journey as well. And I just, there were so many signs and so many synchronicities that when I took a step back and I really started to look, it made me realize that I am on the right path. I'm on the right path towards living towards my purpose of being a mom, but also in my purpose and my mission of helping other women on this fertility journey too. I never would have gotten on this path had I not had this journey at all. Right. You might've still been in the career world that you were in and you might not be able to be home with your daughter ever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, again, I have to trust that everything happened for a reason. And um, in, in the moment, yes, it was really challenging to see, but I really believe that if, anybody is struggling with fertility, I always feel like there's a reason behind that. There's mm -hmm. a, a bigger reason that we don't really always know. And we can't always find out what the answers are, but, um, I really think it's a time to just like, okay, take a step back. What's going on. Let's figure mm -hmm. out why this might be happening. But, um, I think again, it happens for a reason for sure. Right. And I think it is important to note for the people who really and truly can't get pregnant and and turn to either adoption or surrogacy that yeah. that's that's part of your journey yes. and I know that in terms of what you had said before where you sort of took a step back and you were able to relax and sort of de-stress about the whole thing uh -huh. a lot of times I've heard stories where in surrogacy once the couple knows that their surrogate is pregnant all of a sudden all those stress hormones have dissipated and the woman ends up getting pregnant and so there's wow. a lot of surrogate babies that are born at the same time as their sibling because of the fact that the mom is like oh okay I can relax I know that I'm going to be having a baby it's not the way that I thought it was going to happen but it's happening and then all of a sudden the next thing she knows she's pregnant oh my gosh that's amazing I love that I've heard that too like even around adoption too at times mm -hmm. like you find the paperwork and that's what ends up happening and right. we through part of the emotional work and the um the mindset work that we did we kind of went through that worst case scenario in our heads too of like, okay, if we can't get pregnant naturally, what are our next steps? What mm -hmm. are we going to do? And we came to terms with, you know, maybe we will adopt, maybe we will do IVF. And we were open to just all of the possibilities because we knew that no matter which path we took, it would be the right path and it would mm -hmm. lead us to the baby that was meant to be ours. Right. And I think that's what's most important too, right? There's so many different avenues that we can take but when you're so focused on like just trying to get pregnant naturally or just trying to do IVF right away like you close yourself off to so many other blessings and possibilities mm -hmm. in your life too so yeah 
it's it's the same way I feel as a doula when I work with my clients in labor mm-hmm. to say that look, we all have a birth plan. We all know what our ideal situation is, but we also plan for all the different things that can happen within that time period because the whole goal is healthy mama, healthy baby. And the same thing when you're trying to get pregnant, the whole goal is healthy parents and healthy child, however that happens. And I know it's a hard thing to hear sometimes because you're like, no, I wanted to get pregnant. I wanted to have my own child. But like you said, the way that you become a family isn't always the way you plan, but that's the way that it's supposed to be. Exactly. Yes. And the thing too, I think we don't always think about the, the stressors that are maybe taking place during the fertility journey and could be causing some of the reasons why we're not getting pregnant. If you happen to get pregnant still, you're carrying that on and that's going to translate into pregnancy. That's going to translate into postpartum. I read somewhere, I don't remember the specific statistic, but that if you experience fertility challenges, um, that you're like X percent more likely to experience postpartum depression too. So it's almost like those, um, those feelings and those emotions, when they're not getting addressed, they're staying in your body and they're going to manifest at some point in your journey. Right. So whether it's now or whether it's when you have the baby, I personally speaking from a postpartum experience, know it's a lot easier to deal with those emotions before the baby comes. Cause when you're in the thick of that postpartum journey, it's really, really challenging. So yes. Yeah. I think the more that you can do to really heal yourself and address some of those things and kind of unpack that emotional baggage beforehand, it's going to set you up for success in your motherhood journey as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I know what, what my own ways of releasing the emotional energies are. And I've talked about it before in my other episodes in terms of kinesthesiology and Mm -hmm. asking yes or no questions to sort of get to the root of the problem. I love that stuff. And my, it's so funny because my seven-year-old, even just an hour ago was like, can you do emotion code for me? And I was like, not right now. I have an interview coming up, but tonight before you go to bed, I promise. Um, He loves it. I think he asks for it almost every single night, but Mm. tell me more about what you do with your clients to say, okay, I know what I've been through. Let me help you along with your journey. Yeah. I think the first step is before we can even get to that somatic piece with a lot of my patients or with a lot of my clients, what we end up doing is figuring out how to actually acknowledge and release them first, because a lot of times we are in denial of a lot of the feelings that we have, right? We we know that there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of sadness, but we stuff it down. We want to cry, we want to let it out, but we stuff it down. We stuff it down throughout the entire journey. So the first piece is just really putting it out on paper, like daily, just a journaling practice. How do you actually feel? How did your day go? And um, I kind of, I call it rage writing, where you're just literally like writing it all out, no filter, like everything that you're feeling, just getting it all out. Like, I am so upset. This was the worst day ever. And here's why. And just really letting that process on paper, I think is again, the first step. And once we're able to actually acknowledge that, okay, we have these feelings, we're feeling this way, then accepting them and realizing that I'm not a bad person for having Mm -hmm. these emotions. I'm not a bad person for feeling jealous about the um, baby shower announcement that I just got. And I am not a bad person for feeling angry and bitterness towards my friend that's also pregnant, right? And acknowledging and accepting that just because you have these feelings does not make you a bad person, does not make you any less worthy of being a mother or anything Mm -hmm. like that either. So yeah, I would say first acknowledging that they're out there, that you have the feelings, get them out, write them out. Um, then going through that acceptance piece of like how you actually um, internalize those and then taking it to the body to figure out, okay, now that I am feeling angry, where do I feel this anger in my body? Mm-hmm. Does it feel like 
pressure on my chest? Does it feel like a pit in my stomach? And figuring out that uh, mind-body connection to really figure out where those emotions are starting to manifest in your body. And then from there, taking the release. So whether that's through breath work, whether that's even through movement too, focusing your energy on those areas and just really sending that healing breath towards those areas. Um, I'm a really big fan. I've been working with a, a nervous system coach lately too, who's been teaching me some really great exercises around um, even just like shaking it out and just mm-hmm. getting that energy loose and out of your body. So it's almost like you have to accept it. You have to realize that it's there. You have to move on, but you have to take it from your body and get it out mm-hmm. too. So um, yeah, those are a few things that we do, but <laughs> one of the things that we used to love to do, and, and it's so funny because even though this show will air probably sometime in the late part of February or early March, um, I used to live in Los Angeles and I was a part of a theater group that was over there. Okay. And this past weekend was, was the show. Um, I think it was the 18th show that they've done now. Mm. Um, so they're, they're phenomenal and I love them and That's shout awesome. out to anybody who's listening. I love you guys. But one <laughs> of the things that we used to do right before we would get on the, sh- on the stage is, is an exercise to get rid of that nervous energy. And I mm. never connected mm. getting that energy out to also getting out anger or getting out frustration or yes. guilt or anything like that. And it's such a powerful way to connect your body with that interior because mm-hmm. everything you feel does manifest itself somewhere. Yeah. And I, that nervousness or that anxiety or whatever it is had to come out at the beginning before uh-huh. you got on stage. And then you could feel like, okay, I'm settled. I'm good. Yes. It's the same idea. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. I literally, the yes. second you said it, I was like, I, that is a connection right there. Well, and it made so much sense too, when you think about like animals, like think about dogs and stuff, like when they're upset, like they shake it out, they shake it off, right? Like babies, kids, children do the same thing. Like when they're throwing a tantrum, they're not just sitting there still crying, (laughs) holding it all in. They're like letting it all out. So it's a natural instinct. And I think I didn't realize that either, how long I've been suppressing that too. And just thinking like, oh, well, I cried a little, so I dealt with the emotions and (laughs) just, it's not enough. So, um, yeah, I think exploring some of those different somatic exercises and that movement to really release the energy is is key for mm-hmm. sure. I think one of the other things you said that I wanted to touch on really quickly was something I tell my kids and people that I work with all the time is the difference between saying I am whatever the emotion uh-huh. is versus uh-huh. I am feeling yeah. whatever the emotion is. Because like you Great said, point. that rage writing is so important to be able to just get out what's in your head. Nothing mm-hmm. that's in your head is wrong or right. It yep. is what you're feeling and it is okay. But if you keep associating and say, I am angry, I am miserable, I am anxious, you're going to internalize that. But if you can switch it slightly and you can say, I am feeling angry, mm-hmm. I am feeling frustrated, whatever it is, all of a sudden it makes it so much more palatable because it's not who you are. Yes. No, that's a great distinction. And you're absolutely right. I think it disassociates you from that feeling, right? And it allows you to kind of break free from it too. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when that becomes part of your identity and that's where the language piece I really work on with my clients too, because a lot of people will use the term infertility. Mm-hmm. And I really coach my clients to avoid using that as much as possible because you're essentially identifying with that label of like, mm-hmm. I am infertile. I am having infertility challenges. I am in, an infertility warrior. Like there's so right. many things that seem to be empowering, but in reality, when you think about the term infertile, it has this connotation of 
like being barren, being, you know, unable or unable to conceive. And that's, and it makes it, it makes true. it so your body is not working the way it's supposed to. Yes. yes. Cause then your body starts to believe it, right. You keep right. telling your mind the whole time that, well, I'm just infertile. So I guess I'm not going to get pregnant or right. I'm having these challenges. And um, so yeah, reframing even just that language too, throughout your daily life is really, really key. It's so important. The things that we tell ourselves. I was literally <laughs> just saying this earlier on today that you wouldn't say half the things that you say in your head to your best friend. Mm, right. Why would you say it to yourself? And yet I know I'm guilty of it all the, all time. the time. Me too. All the time. Still. Yeah. It's like a constant battle. Yeah. Yeah. But it's true. That's it's cool. the words are so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really are. And I think addressing a lot of that internal language for me, that's what helped bring a lot of that hope back and restore that belief in my body. Once I started to see myself as and not identify with that infertility label, I started to realize that no, my body is working as designed. I'm getting mm. my period every month. I'm ovulating. Things are working as designed. And I think just holding on to that and started starting to reframe a lot of that language really helped me to clear the fog that I was in and just restore that hope and my mm. ability to believe in myself again. Yeah. Which is so important. I yeah. know that you said that there was, you went through two years of infertility problems. And then did you have like a specific moment where you realized that your corporate job was not what you wanted to be doing? And you really wanted to move into this world of helping women and being able to move these emotions and move these feelings past whatever they were in the midst of? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was during that second year where I just really hit that rock bottom. And when I started to take a look at my life and reevaluate my daily routines and what it was like, and kind of paint the picture for what I wanted it to be, I realized that my job was just very out of alignment. And I I am still in my job full-time still, so I'll give that disclaimer, but <laughs> I have that exit plan, right? So it's um, it's not currently aligned, but the way that I work now in this same role is very different than how I used to work before. So I have implemented a lot more boundaries. Um, I have prioritized things a lot differently, and I'm showing up in a way that's more authentic and true to myself and it feels really good. So mm-hmm. I'm not in that dire of like, I just got to get out now because I, I'm a different person, even though the role is the same. Mm-hmm. So I'll give that disclaimer, but um, yeah, I think I'm in the insurance industry too, which I don't know for anybody who's been in that industry, it's very drab. I don't know. How to My husband it. is also an insurance broker. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I don't know how I landed here. I mean, after college, it seemed good. And it, again, it's been a great career. I've learned a lot. Um, I'm really grateful for my salary, but it's it's just not very creative. It's not very feminine. It's not very, um, the things that I innately am as a person, it's not very authentic to who I am. And I had that realization too, that when I was on the fertility journey, I was not really doing a lot of things that were bringing me joy. So things like even just like watercolor painting or like going outside and watching the sunset, things like that, that I don't want to say my job prevented me from doing it, but the way I was living my right, life. Working 12 hours a day does not yeah. make that a conducive yes. relationship. Exactly. Exactly. So um, that was really eye-opening, but also the hormone piece too. Once I started to actually get a few tests done and see where my hormone levels were at and learn more about the impacts that my skipping meals were having, and even the meals that I was eating, they were very low in protein, very, I mean, just grab and go, whatever I could find just to get me through the day. I'm not much of a coffee drinker, so that was never an issue, but I wasn't really drinking enough water throughout the day either. Um, So 
yeah, just once I started to make little tweaks to that and I saw the difference that it was having, I realized that no salary, no schedule, no job was worth the impact that it was having on my body and the impact that it was having on my ability to become a mother. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. I don't want to blame my job necessarily, but it was definitely a big factor in my physical healing journey. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to touch on the fact that it is something that you are still doing, but you've set Mm -hmm. your boundaries. And I think that is one of the most important parts because we all have to earn money. We all have to figure Mm -hmm. out what works. And sometimes your job isn't necessarily authentic to who you are. However, Mm -hmm. if you can set those boundaries and you can say, Mm -hmm. I'm not available 12 hours a day or 15 hours a day or whatever it might be. These are my hours and I'm sticking to that. And if you need to reach me outside of those hours, it's not an emergency. I'm not a doctor. I'm not somebody who needs to be at your every beck and call. And mm-hmm. now that you have a daughter, your time is more important spent with her. And if you can still work with your company at the same time, then fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was funny too. And I think high achieving women, we tend to put a lot more pressure on ourselves than what's really expected of us. And it's funny because when I first started to pull back on a lot of the things that I was doing, I didn't realize how much like above and beyond I was going that really wasn't necessary. And in all reality, probably didn't add a lot of value either. And when I started to pull back on things, I thought, oh, for sure, somebody's going to call me out. Somebody's going to say like, what are you doing? Why aren't you working so hard? Why aren't you mm-hmm. here all the time? Why aren't you guys volunteering for all these extra projects? And nobody even noticed. Right. <laughs> nobody noticed when I actually just started to do like the bare minimum requirements of my job. <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm getting, getting paid. Accolades. I'm doing my still, job. Yeah. It's like, I still got accolades. I still got the recognition. Like the team still did well and we performed well. So it's just, it's so silly that I was working myself to the bone and grinding, but for what? Like, right. what did it even get me? Um, and I, I would venture to say that I think I'm a lot more productive and efficient as an employee now that I understand my cycle, my hormones and have this better boundary because I come to work refreshed and I come back to work energized and I, I feel good. And I feel like I have this mental clarity that I didn't have before when I wasn't eating lunch. Like, you know what I mean? Just like little things like this that really do make a difference. So now, I mean, I preach to my team all the time around well-being and making sure that they're doing the same. Like I want to be that role model. I don't want to see you here at 10 o'clock at night. I need you to log off or, you know, and let's work through ways to reduce your schedule and things like that too. So Yeah. um. I know. It's so funny because I always talk about how you're supposed to really take care of yourself. And to me, taking a bath, getting my nails done, like those are the things that I always concentrate on because that's what works for me. But even something as simple as saying, this is my 30 minute lunch. I'm not working through my lunch. I'm not grabbing and going. That is also self-care. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And even the back-to-back calls, especially in this virtual environment, it can be so easy. Like, oh, I see a spot on your calendar. Let's go back to back. And you don't have any breaks in between. And I realized I can join that call five minutes later so I can get up and stretch and go to the restroom and grab a snack. And it's not going to impact anything. And I'll even decline calls too. And I'll say, I have too many. I have a four hour max now. I'm like, I'm not going to be on Zoom calls any more than four hours. So if I get more, I just decline it and say, let's reschedule. Let's move it to a different day. Right. And people are willing to, I think, yeah, it's, it's so funny how we get ourselves into these traps. But again, I think a lot of it for me, at least was very self-imposed. So mm-hmm. I'm realizing that now and making those adjustments. But. Which is, it just adds so much more power to who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the authenticity comes back in, yeah. even if your job itself doesn't play into that. So true. Yeah. Very true. I love yeah. That. Okay. So between your job and between, and then your daughter 
and then working with clients. <laughs> Do you have time for anything else? That's a great question. Um, No, <laughs> full transparency. It's been difficult. I think the small pockets of the day when I do have time, I'm working on my business and trying to get the um, clients and supporting them too. So I do feel a little strapped for time, but I feel like it's manageable still. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, like I said, I have that exit plan. I don't foresee myself working in my um, corporate job for forever. I feel really passionate about fertility. So um, it's just, it's hard to grow a business with less than an hour a day, honestly. So yes. uh, working through that has been a bit of a challenge and um, just trying to see what that is. But I, again, I feel a lot of peace around it because I don't feel like I'm back to where I was, where I'm working 12 hour days between my business and um, my corporate career and my job. Like I take breaks throughout the day. My daughter keeps me accountable a, because I'm nursing her. So she's just like, all right, I'm hungry. Like <laughs> It's I'm time for your break. break. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So she helps me with that too. And of course, I mean, I love to spend time with her throughout the day too. So as much as I can, I want to go spend time with her as well. But um, it has been a challenging season and I know it's not forever, but I'm doing the best with what I have and what I've been given in terms of the time. And um, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm holding on to that hope. That's, I think holding on to the hope is is beautiful. It's something that even I'm sure as you learned through your journey in terms of having your daughter, that hope is is what carries you forward. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think the hope and the realization that I can't do everything and I don't have to do everything. Like I can, there's plenty of ways to build a business. And I think there are ways that can involve a lot of hustle and a lot of behind the scenes pieces. And I just have to accept the fact that it's going to take me a little bit longer and it might be a little bit slower, but the life that I'm building in progress of that is Mm. worth it to me. And I'm not looking for that fast progress. I'm not looking for that overnight success. I mean, if it happens, cool, but I don't want to work super hard to get there. I want it to feel easy. I want to feel that flow and I want to mm-hmm. feel that um, that alignment. I think that was part of the the energy that I tapped into around the time that we got pregnant too. It, was just, it just felt good. Things mm-hmm. felt so aligned and things like felt like I was on the right path. Like I said, there were all these signs and I think um, I'm starting to feel that now of connecting with wonderful people like yourself and like connecting with the right people and trusting that, yes, my schedule's a little busy. We might have to take a little bit longer to meet, but when we do, it's just really magical and it just mm-hmm. feels really aligned. So trusting on that as well. It it really sounds like your journey led you to a really perfect place. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. And I don't want to sugarcoat it because I will say, so my fertility journey started hard, um, ended beautifully. And then when we got pregnant, pregnancy, I had a wonderful pregnancy, which I feel like is pretty rare, but I didn't have symptoms. I didn't have really any complications. It was truly magical. My birth experience was rough. (laughs) It was a little dramatic. Um, My transition to motherhood was tough. I think those first two weeks as a newborn, oh my gosh, it was just such a blur. I don't even know what happened or how how we survived. Um, and it's, it's like its, its own so form of torture to be perfectly it honest. Is. It really is that nobody prepares you for. No, because everyone is, before. everyone's so concentrated on like, you have this baby now yes. it's so beautiful and it's perfect yes. and everything is, is aligned. And you're like, I, yes. I have no sleep. I don't know what like, you're talking I, about. I'm not showered. Like what is right. happening right now? Yeah. Like right. our house is a mess. And so I think I'm navigating that still because even though, I mean, my daughter, she's now 10 months old, almost 11 months. Um, and I mean, we have 
good routines, but as your baby grows, there's new milestones, new challenges that come every phase. So um, just working through navigating those as best we can. But I will say that even though this is the most difficult season I've probably had in my life, it is the most rewarding and the most fulfilling ever. Like I Mm -hmm. love being a mom so much and I can have the most stressful day, the most difficult day, but then she'll do like a sweet little giggle or like do something new. And it's just like everything else, all the troubles, all the worries just melt away. And I just realized that this is where I'm supposed to be in this moment with my messy house, with my dishes in the sink, with my, you know, work pending emails backed up. This is where I'm supposed to be. And this little girl's here in my arms and it's just the best time. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, I would love to end there because I feel like that's a perfect way to end, but I do have one more question for you because it is something that now that she is almost a year old, I would say, even though you're, like we said before, an older pregnant person, (laughs) um, let's say, let's say you're planning on trying again. Do you think that you'll treat it differently given everything that you've, you've learned? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question because we actually want lots of kids. So I've always envisioned myself having like 10 kids, just as many as possible. That's so funny. I always said eight. Really? Oh, I love that. See, that's so cool. Um, So we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I want as many as I can have. And I think that's what was partly hard during my fertility journey, just knowing that we've used up so much of my fertile years, right? right? And all that, you know, no BS, but we want more babies, but I am not in a rush to start trying right away. I really want to make sure that um, I'm nursing her for as long as possible, that I'm nurturing her, giving her what I need. But I also feel like I need to replenish myself from a physical standpoint, from a um, self-care standpoint. A lot of those routines that I have kind of gone out the wind right now, and I don't feel like my best fertile self in the moment. So there's Mm -hmm. things I would want to do to try to um, amp that up a little bit too. Again, just to set myself up for success during pregnancy, but also for my future baby. I understand the importance of epigenetics and all of the things that we can do beforehand before conceiving. And I want to give them the best possible chance too. So I am prepared to wait as long as it takes while moving forward and taking aligned action, if that Mm. makes sense. So um, like, it's more just that intentional preparation and again, not being attached to the outcome. Um, Mm. I've always said that I've wanted lots of kids. All my family knows that I want lots of kids. But when my daughter arrived, I felt this sense of wholeness and completion within our family that if she is the only child we ever have, I would be so thrilled and so happy still. So I'm, I'm good with whatever life throws at me. I'm just, I'm ready for it and I'm excited, but um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think I would do anything differently from that. Again, that third year was more like my transformational year where I really just focused on myself, focused on healing and did the best that I could to prepare and was just patient. So I'm prepared to be patient again. I'm prepared to do the best that I can to heal my body, heal my mind and see what happens. I love that. And I, I, I do hope that it's an easier journey for you the second time. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to somebody who's going through it, what, what do you think is the key element to, to just say, I want to give you this? Mm. Well, I always feel like coming back to hope is just so critical in this journey because there are parts where we really lose that hope. We lose that that belief in our bodies, we lose that belief in our ability to become a mom and holding on to that hope is just 
really important. And I told a client the other day that the only way you, this journey ends with you not becoming a mom is if you give up. And if you are not willing to give up on yourself, on your body, on your future baby, then it is just a matter of time before you get pregnant or before you have a baby. Mm -hmm. So whether, like we talked about earlier, there's many different avenues to that. Um, So not closing yourself off to it, but I think having that hope and just holding on to that and holding on to that vision and that desire that you have for yourself, if you have that desire to become a mom, it's there for a reason. And I feel like it was meant for you if you have that desire Mm -hmm. and don't give up. Just don't give up. Your future baby does not want you to give up on them. I love that. It's, it's something, there was a book that was mentioned in a movie a long time ago. I think it was in sister act two, where she said, if you want to be a writer, you wake up every single day and you think you're a writer and Mm. you know, you're a writer who cares what other people say. You Mm. go to sleep at night and all you can think about is singing. You're a singer. You wake up Mm. in the morning. All you think about is singing. Then you're a singer. It's the same thing. When you know in your heart that you are going to be a mom, however Mm. you get there, whether it's through adoption or through surrogacy or through your own pregnancy it's it's all okay and it's all normal. And I think that the more that we can bring conversation to that and the more that we can say, okay, so your body didn't do exactly what you thought it was going to do. That doesn't mean it's wrong. That doesn't yes. mean that's that's it's never going to happen. It's just maybe not going to happen the way you think it will happen. And it's a hard thing to understand. It's a hard thing to comprehend when you're in it. But But I love that hope. I love that you can just keep you keep saying it, you keep visioning it, you keep knowing that it's there and however it's meant to be, that baby will find you. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that so, so much. I'm going to start using that example. I I remember that scene from the movie too. And I'm like, oh yes, it was so inspiring. (laughs) I love that movie. Yes. Like, you know, if you wake up every day and you want to be a mom, like you are a mom, like let's just accept that identity today. You're no longer infertile. Like you are a mom and you're working towards bringing that baby into your future. So, and there's some beautiful adoption agencies that are started because of that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. There's so many other, there's so many inspiring stories too. And just so many women out there that are doing amazing things because of these journeys. And that's Mm -hmm. why I was saying earlier too, about if this is happening for you, I promise it's happening for a reason. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And Mm -hmm. I think the sooner you can start to uncover like why it might be happening for you and what you're meant to learn during this season and what you're meant to do, what you're meant to create during this season. um, I feel like there's just so many powerful and amazing and beautiful things that are going to come of it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. This is wonderful. I, I love hearing your hope. I love hearing how inspiring you are. And for all the women that you're able to help, I just think that they're so blessed. Thank you. And thank you for this platform too. You are helping so many women as well. And just the stories that you're sharing and your own story as well, it's making a difference. So thank thank you you for being here and thank you for showing up as well. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me today on Pushing Through Loss. I hope this episode has provided support, understanding, and a sense of community for those who've experienced pregnancy loss. Remember, you are not alone in your journey and there is strength within you to face the challenges that come your way. If you found value in today's episode, please consider sharing it with others who may benefit. Together, we can help each other heal and activate our inner strength warriors. Stay tuned for more empowering conversations. And until next time, you got this.